Today I chat with the clever, creative, funny, inspiring and incredibly wise Dee Tang. Dee is the mother of three kids, Kawa Leaf, Rafa Rose and Bo Sunray. Her eldest daughter, Kawa Leaf, tragically passed away in a drowning accident in 2017. Dee and I first connected not long after the accident and Dee penned a brilliant piece for our magazine Lunch Lady on loss, grief and love. Today, we pick up our conversation and delve into the deep wisdom Dee has cultivated from this experience. It's a privilege to hear from Dee and I hope you enjoy our chat. Hi Dee, welcome to the Lunch Lady podcast. Hello. I'm so, so glad. Nice. Uh, yeah, so it's Yes. The last time I spoke to you, well, was the first time and last time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was like two and a half years ago and we were talking about dead people. <laughs> we were. And that, and that has gone so quickly. Then I think we we chatted, um, we, didn't we? We had a coffee, didn't we? You came we to my coffee. And we were talking about dead people and like yes. people passing and then was, I think we just turned around and looked around at one point and realised like, Everyone had vacated and it was yeah. like there was no one around us. <laughs> we were in the restaurant, I remember. Yeah, wow, yeah. two and a half years. So I'll just set the scene for people who might not know about you. We had a chat. We had a really deep, I sent you a bunch of questions and you uh, responded with this incredible interview that I've never forgotten and many people have never forgotten, which was I think seven months after Kawa passed. Is that right? About seven months? Yeah, it was. It was very, I guess now upon reflection it was like, Still, it was a intensely raw yeah. period of the first, you know, first stages of grief. Yeah. Well, I think about that and I think about how your writing, what poured out of you at that point and how much wisdom at that point. I'm still quite flabbergasted about it. Have you reread the interview you oh, did? You know what? I reread it probably just a few months ago because someone was talking about how they were struggling. Oh, actually, it was someone I met recently and they told me about how she had a brother who passed and her mum really struggled at the time and then, you know, battled with drugs and alcohol and so forth. And I was like, oh, well, why don't you send her this article to read? And I kind of just went through it and it was like I was reading it from like a third-person perspective and I was like, oh, I'm not that person who that – I'm not that person anymore, you know. I've kind of shifted or evolved or grown into this person who I am now and as I was reading it I was grieving for myself you know in that point in time I was like oh mate you know now I know why people were messaging me going I locked myself in my bathroom for half an hour so I could read your article and I was just bawling you know and bawling with you you know yeah and was, yeah yeah and I've had probably you know hundreds and hundreds of people just respond so like I don't know so well and or I don't know if the word is well but they've just really responded to that to that article and I'm really thankful to you for that for activating the words I feel like in me or to, wow. for them to come out yeah oh I was I was yeah I remember reaching out to you thinking is this a really terrible thing to do to someone or I remember that whole period and then oh. I thought you know what if I just go forward with good intention you know I was like yeah actually was the best I think it was the I think it's to date maybe I mean hopefully this book is better (laughs) but I think like to date is it was the best thing I've ever done you know um in terms of creativity and in terms of just creative output and outreach and I feel like it really was you just really handed me this platform um to express and it was the most therapeutic thing I could ever been given it was it was actually a gift you know um yeah it really was yeah it was really incredible now when I think about it like because of that I was given you know permission to express you know Yeah. yeah and given that platform where it would reach you know a wider range of people that I could ever meet on my own accord yeah you know what I think the bravery of that 
piece. Um, I know everyone probably listening is like, what's this piece? What is it? But <laughs> we did a, an in-depth interview about your feelings, about love and grief and um, what you'd learnt from loss in that sh- very short period of time since you um, had lost her. And I remember the bravery and I remember people approaching me saying, I just can't read it. I just can't read it. And I'm like, well. Oh, really? I said, yeah, because it was too intense for them, you oh, know. And yeah. I said to them, I get that. But imagine she has just given you a gift an insight, um, a perspective that you would never, never be able to get. It's so generous in so many ways. And then they were like, yeah, and I said, so the least you can kind of do when you're ready is to read it. <laughs> and uh, many people came to me after, friends of mine who had yeah, skirted right. around death, skirted around, had never lost anyone either. Um, yeah. You didn't know, you know, I think we talked about that a little bit in the interview, that awkwardness, which is totally normal and it's, it's yeah. normal. It's, yeah, totally. It's it's like when you've got a really big tattoo, you know, and yeah. you can talk to other people about your big visible tattoo. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but why are we? I mean, just to sort of touch on that, why why are we so awkward about awkward? I think because it's just it's just like because if it's not done, it's just awkward, you know. And so since that article's come out, and since I decided that I would never shy away from talking about it again. Like, because, you know, as a mother, you would know, you get asked all the time, like, how many kids have you got? How old are they? Yeah. You know? And so it pops up all the time. Like, and so I'm pretty much constantly feeling like I'm coming out, you know? Because um, <laughs> yeah. people go, oh, how, oh, you've got two kids. I'm like, no, actually I've got three, you know? And they're yeah. like, oh, you know, well, where's the visible sign of the other one? And that's, you know, the hardest thing for us I'd say because you know we have Kawa would be turning eight this year like like really soon but we don't have the physical sign in in a human being you know to show the fruits of our labor you know um we've got you know a five-year-old and almost two-year-old there and then I kind of just have to explain and I constantly have to just kind of come out and say, yeah, I've actually got three and then I kind of just give like a short lowdown, you know, but she's passed, she's in spirit now. Yeah. And I've made so many people cry, grown men cry, (laughs) 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 which which amuses me somewhat now (laughs) Um, to a certain degree. Uh, (laughs) And it just opens that big can of worms, you know. Like, And then people start telling me all sorts of stories. They tell me about their mum who's passed. They tell me about their girlfriend who committed suicide. They tell me about their cousin who they're close to. They talk about their best mate. And then I end up having this like, yeah, it's like it just like knocks down all these um, boundaries and walls and there isn't anything left and we're just standing there having a really like touching conversation without any airs or pretending to be anything else. And it, I really like, like that. Yeah. It's like you yeah. can connect, exactly, you can connect on uh, on a well, not even yeah, like a deep level straight away, but just un- yeah, exactly that understanding that there is not much that separates us. Yeah, hundred percent. And then it pretty much is like I just set the set the tone. <laughs> like you can be like talk about whatever the fuck you want here. Like you know, yeah. it's fine. Like it is open. <laughs> yeah. And so sometimes, days it sometimes where you're just like, oh, I just don't want to have a chat to people. Like, you know, when times, I remember when we spoke two and a half years ago, you were like, you had to have time to yourself. Obviously, you're in the very early stages of processing. Has that changed for you? Are you feeling? I feel good. I feel really good, you know. Um, every day is different. Um, yeah. But I was trying to explain to a friend too how, like, the grief is, you know, at first it's like it's larger than you. It's larger than anything else. And it's so huge that you can't even fathom it. It's so overwhelming. And then as the days pass and then every day you kind of greet it um, and then you become one with it and you allow it to move through you, it kind of diminishes in size, you know, and so that you can keep going, you know, through your day. But there are definitely moments where, when I sit in meditation and I could feel like stress or the grief building, then I'll, I'll just tap right back into that space where the crying is like, it's like that, I don't know, you know, that real deep, like guttural kind of like uh, crying that you can have that sounds like it's not even a part of you. It's coming from such a 
ancient, almost like an ancient kind of animal kind of, you know, um, place. Yeah, and then and then that will come through, you know, and and I'm really grateful that I have uh, this practice of meditation that I do regularly. Otherwise, I, I wouldn't really know what would happen to me. I'd probably be a big itchy mess because <laughs> I, I get eczema too when I'm stressed, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> right. I'd be a mess. I really would be a mess. I'd be one itchy mess, ball of, you know, gross itch. <laughs> yeah. So were you meditating? How long have you been meditating for? Let's talk about that practice. I've been meditating for probably like 10, 10 years. Um, yeah. So I started before Kawa was born. I feel like maybe she activated that in me as well. Yeah. Um, and then while I was pregnant with her, I went and did that a Buddhist retreat in Wollongong. Um, and that was kind of what really uh, kind of made it a regular practice for me. Um, while I was pregnant with her. And then from then on, I would just regularly do it. And often she would come and sit with me when we lived in Sydney. She'd, in the morning, she'd like tiptoe out and she'd sit with me while I was, you know, um, meditating. And so I kind of learned to do it with like having a little person presence around me. And then when she passed, it was probably our saving grace. My husband started meditating as well. And, you know, like everything in life, things, you know, you build up the day and you got to get through the day, you know, and you have another child to look after. And the meditation gave us both space for us to just sit with our grief. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, which I feel like potentially isn't really done, you know, and there's so much and you're really fucking sad sometimes, you know, actually a lot of the time. And I would just cry for hours on end, you know, hours and hours. And it's almost like, I mean, I'm no scientist, but energetically something is happening where this like, you know, movement is pulsing through you and your body and it needs to come out, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it has to come out in some form. And crying is the best way to do it, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's what we have makes- here on earth for us to express, you know, and to honour, yeah, um, peeps who have passed yeah. and for us to connect to them too because, you know, I often feel like while you're in that vulnerable space, you're being held by them in spirit, yeah. Yeah, tell us about that because I remember when we last spoke you were like she, yeah. you know, there were elements of spirit that came to you in those moments or clarity or or sadness or joy or you yeah. felt you yeah. felt you know you would feel her around How, what's that like these days are you still sort of uh, it's really um it's really developed over the last few years I um I started <laughs> this is a this is a whole nother gamut <laughs> um a whole nother can okay. of woo woo worms <laughs> so sometime after you pass I was ha- you know meditating a lot and then I was really struggling with my relationship with my husband at the time too. Um, we'd both, you know, experienced grief in different ways and we're dealing it in different ways. And when you lose your child, there are times that you don't actually even, you know, even like each other or know how to support each other. And I remember thinking, why is he so sensitive to certain things? Like, why am I struggling to, to be able to just even say anything, you know? Um, and so I remember sitting down to meditate and kind of just putting out there, you know, I'd I'd really like to um, be able to understand this at a deeper level or have more empathy for Desmond because I'm really struggling with this. And so when I sat down, I I actually what ended up happening was I tapped into like this, what I think at the time I didn't know it was a past life, um, but now upon reflection, it was what was what had started happening. And so I passed, went into a pass off and I saw Des like as like a, like, you know, like a brave heart warrior. Yeah. <laughs> so he's of Scottish descent. And, um, and so tapped into this past life where he looked like he was a brave heart warrior. Like in past lives, he had been a warrior. It, it was showing like in battle many times, you know, and he always had like this suit of armor on him, um, you know, like, like actual, you know, metal armor. And then they showed me in this life, um, that he no longer had that armor because in this lifetime he is an artist and a father and a teacher. And so he's removed of that armor. And because he's removed of this armor, he's 
hypersensitive now because he's really feeling everything so strongly and nothing could prepare him for the you know the passing of his daughter like he'd lost battles he'd lost his comrades he'd lost you know other warriors that he was with in past lives but this lifetime it was like nothing prepared him for the loss of his daughter and he did he's doing this without that literal and physical protection of the armor and when I saw that and when I felt that I, I you know in my heart I was able to have a deeper comprehension and deeper understanding of him and who he is right now from his past lives leading up to who he is now. Wow. Yeah, and it, and it always strikes me in my heart and I start crying because I, I can feel their suffering. So it's yeah. almost like what's activated is like from my suffering, I've begun to feel other people's suffering, you know. And it doesn't, and it's been three years since then, and it no longer scares me. Um, if anything, I'm a have this, I've developed this kind of space to hold it, and then I know it to be truth as well. Whenever I feel it, yeah, yeah, that's amazing. yeah. I was gonna say, yeah, like you faced, I would say, the hardest thing in life. Um, how, you know, with the current sort of, we were sort of talking briefly before I hit record, Yeah, you know, with the current world events and the kind of um, the unknown of everything, I suppose, um, you have been to the depths of unknown in a lot of ways. Um, what, how did, how has that prepared you for now? Or like, or how, how do you sort of view the current world situations or be, be world situation being in this state of being yeah. right now after having the wisdom, I suppose, of what you've gone through? I mean, I can't help but feel like, you know, I, I studied journalism as well at uni and I remember like, do you remember like learning how to write articles about <laughs> world events and you had to keep to the facts and this is how many people died and then this happened here at this time and blah, blah, blah. Um, I can't help but think about like go back to that, you know. I was at uni like, oh, my gosh, 20 years ago. And so... Um, like where I've been at in the last few months is trying to finish this book, which is a passion project and very much inspired by Kawa and, you know, many other things in life. But I come, I feel like coming out of that grief, what, what the book about is more about the lightness. You know, if you, if you look at a yin yang drawing, you have the dark side and then it's got the little white spot. You know, so even in darkness, the, the, what has held us, what holds you in that suffering and that grief is having, you know, faith and love and knowing that you're being held in that space. And then if you look at the flip side, there's the white side, mainly white, but then there's still that spot of darkness. So I guess that's where I'm at right now with the book yeah. and how I feel about the world. So bad shit is always going on, you know. There's always bad stuff. Like times have not changed. We're still, you know, doing horrible things to each other. This actually has not changed, I feel, mm -hmm. over time. And I feel like I don't want to sound complacent and I talk about this with my husband all the time when he fills me in on world of, current world events um, while I've been working in this book bubble. Um, but I feel like my role, I mean, it's not everyone's role. You have, you know, I feel like everyone's got a role in this. Like some people are fighting on the ground, some people are like, you know, are literally battling battling it out but I feel like my role and where my gift is is staying at this in this space of of love and lightness during these times yeah and and to try and I don't know I guess to lift spirits of those around you so that because the, in order for us to feel to do good in the world, we, we kind of need to be at that place where we are um, have good vibes, <laughs> I mean, simply said. Yeah. And I, tell tell yeah. us a little bit about the book. So the book is Love Is, and honestly, when I came across it or when you, you emailed me about it, I was like, it just gave me so much permission to feel joy, you know. Yeah, well, that's it. I don't know why people feel like they're not allowed to feel joy, you yeah. know. Um, why should we feel like 
crap all the time or why do we have to feel like we I feel like you can still have a deep sense of empathy and have a really awesome day yes yeah yeah. yeah 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 and that's I, how it's been with grief like I can still have a kick-ass day and enjoy myself but at the same time I always have this you know deep deep kind of sadness is that like if you go back to the yin yang picture again like you're having a great day but inside you still feel very deeply and you can still very feel like connected to that to that suffering and that grief but it's within you you know um and, and would you point, yeah yes no sorry there you go no sorry and at any point you can connect to anyone else who is in that space too you know yeah it's almost like, like that that, yeah. that kind of deepness that that deep grief or that deep unknown in other people i suppose it sort of is the momentum for you to without sounding cheesy, but to be in the moment, right? It's to be, connect to the now and be like, I can carry this, but I'm also allowed to enjoy this moment and be present. Yeah, and yeah. Why, do you, do you feel like, I mean, how are you feeling? Do you feel like there's as almost like as if we're, we're being told we should all feel like shit, mm. shit right now? <laughs> yeah. I think, I think it's like so yeah. much information. You know, and then, and then, you know, everyone's carrying around their own little little parts of themselves that they their personal parts of themselves, like your grief or someone else's um, cancer or whatever. You know, there's all different things that people mm-hmm. carry. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so then you're like, well, my situation's not as bad as that person. Like, for example, yeah. and all this, and so then you're like, am I allowed to like? You just, yeah, it's just totally. so confusing. Um, yeah. But then I think at the end of the day, it comes back to. Uh, remaining active in your space, I suppose, like you are doing with your Love Is book. That is activism in a lot of ways. It's peaceful, good vibe activism. That <laughs> and non-violent activism. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. And when I saw it, I thought it was so important. Like, so describe a little bit of what it is because people are probably now going, what is this? So, again, I feel like I have to thank you for this because when after I wrote the article, um, it, like I said, you, I feel like you activated these words in me that um, I've always had in me, but I've never seen myself as a writer. Um, I did study journalism at uni, but I never pursued it, and it's always been in the background. And I've always enjoyed um, writing content when I, as a designer, to kind of as the backbone story to designs, and I've always enjoyed helping other designer friends who are more visual, like kind of pull those words together. But until you gave me that space, I've never really been um, given an opportunity to really write like that. And so after that, I just kept um, jotting things down. One of the questions you asked me, what, what is love, you know? And I believe I wrote a whole bunch of things which, which began with love is. Wow. Yeah, and so that was the beginning of it. And so I just kept jotting things down. Like I was when I was a kid and when I was a teenager, I always had a diary, you know, and I kind of went back to that, a journal, um, and I just would journal things like when I felt in the moment, you know, like simple moments of love, like hanging like love is a load of laundry, dancing on the breeze, love is surfing in the southwest seas. Um, just little little rhymes that would come into my head or they'd just kind of be hovering around. I'm like, oh, this is a really cute moment. <laughs> I'm just going to jot this down. Like I don't know where this is going um, and I'm not going to try to figure it out. I'm just, I feel like this will just come. And so it just, yeah, I just had all these little bits and pieces. And then during a meditation, um, probably some months after I saw you, I sat down and I saw a, a book. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It was like I was presented with this book and I saw the cover of it and it said love is, like love and then is stacked, like on, the love stacked on top of the is <laughs> with a full stop. And I came out of it and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. I have to write a book? Are you serious? <laughs> I was like, what the? I was like, what? Yeah. And so I was like, oh, geez. 
And it's like <laughs> at this point with my meditation, I've often talk about myself um, like as Earth D in my physical form and I also refer to like higher self D, you know, yeah. eternal soul D. So, and I understand that we're almost like separate entities sometimes. Sometimes we come together to make, create work, um, um, but often we're separate. And it was one of those mo- moments where I felt very separate, where I was like, what the, like, what the beep? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're like telling me to do unfathomable things <laughs> that I don't have any idea how to, you know, even like how to begin this process. And so I approached it like that. I was like, I'm going to be very present with this. And so I don't get overwhelmed. I'll just take this as a daily process when it comes. And so when COVID hit, um, I just felt that push, you know. Um, There was, you know, a lot of time or more time at home and more antisocial time. And then I knew it was time to collect all the words together. And I was like, oh, there's something here. This I'm going to collect all the words together. So I collected all the words and started like putting them together into like verse form and seeing if, you know, kind of a story would develop and if there was some kind of rhyme and rhythm to it. Yeah. And then that's kind of how it began. And then once I had the words kind of on the page, um, the next part was drawing and I really struggled with that because I'm not an artist and I live with an artist which is probably the worst thing you could do is just yes. like illustrate a book <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so when you live with Picasso and you're trying to like do your own drawings it's like yeah it is not conducive yeah you could get really caught up in that and so I decided not to ask Desmond for any help at that point yeah. um and I said if I need help I will come to you and you only help me with that bit and don't look at anything else <laughs> I love this. Please do not judge my <laughs> proportions <laughs> or lack of proportion and palette, please. And he was like, okay. So it was very good. Um, and it took me took me a while, yeah. Probably took me like I mean, COVID was last last Feb. I was writing and drawing all all of last year I was drawing. And then I began colouring probably at the turn of the year, yeah, and finished colouring early this year. So and it's so beautiful. Like it's so cute and perfect. It matches everything perfect. Well, I just wanted to do it like a kid. I was like, you know what, I'm not very, I don't feel like I'm very good at drawing, but I can do, it was almost like I could tell, you know, higher self D was like, okay, D is going to, she can just draw good enough and she can just write good enough and we're going to get her to just pop all these things together like a kid would do and just not think about it, not get neurotic about it or think about the outcome. And so that's how I had to approach it because otherwise I I would get really overwhelmed and probably would have to stop. Um, And so any spare time I had, you know, I spent on this book yeah, it just became like this. I had just had this drive. I was like, I just, I know I need to do this, and and it, and I kept um, just working on it uh, between between jobs, between paid work, you know. But as much as possible, uh, when Des could lend me the time as well, um, but when he was between jobs, he would hold the fort and and just let me draw and write, which was which I'm very, very, very thankful for. <laughs> yeah. It's so beautiful and I imagine quite therapeutic in a lot of ways, even just oh, a... so therapeutic. This is like an honour that I, I'm, I'm just like sitting here drawing and writing. I'm like, wow, this is cool, you know. This is really cool. And the way I approach colour too, uh, because I live with, you know, a colour consultant <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna consult with him and I'm just gonna pick the colors I want you know yeah. Yeah. I was like, I'm gonna do this like a kid I'm not gonna plan it because that's gonna wig me out uh so I'm just gonna pick the colors I like yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah. and so that's what I did and so it's very colorful um and and I used aquarels because that's what I used as a kid <laughs> and that's all I know 
So it's really simple. And I'm like, I'll use my old Derwent Aqua Rules, you know? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I read it to my nine-year-old. Well, she yeah. read it and she oh, loved she it. Loved she it. loved it so much. So clever and she loved the rhyming. And um, so we got to tell people, hopefully I'll, we will get oh, our I shit. I love that. I haven't had a kid, like, review it before. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah, yes. she reviewed it and then because I had to write that little bit for the front and she really said, what do you think about this? She goes, yeah, that's exactly what it is, Mum. And I thought, that's so Aww. cool. That, um, <laughs> yeah, I love testing stuff out on them, you know, because. because yeah, they know. Yeah. They know. They know. They'll tell you something something's shit as well immediately. Oh, that's yeah. what I mean. That's why I'm giving you the good feedback. Yeah, there's no BS factor there. Yeah. <laughs> So at the moment you're in a Kickstarter and hopefully this podcast will come out just before that if I can get my uh, shit together. But um, it, it's in a Kickstarter phase, yep. raising 23 grand to, to get it printed and out yep. there. How, how's that process been for you? Are you sort of oh, checking mate. every day? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been wild. It's like birthing another child. So because yeah. so, you can imagine I've been in this like, you know, creative womb. It's very nurturing. It's been very, uh, I tap into Kuan Yin, who is the Chinese goddess. She's kind of like Chinese Mary, you know, Asian Mary. And so she's very warm. She's very comforting. She's held me in this space of creation. And I've been there for a while, you know. Uh, it's been like 18 months in that space. And so when I got to this point where I was, you know, finishing this book, uh, I've been designing it with Holly McCauley for the last three months. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. And um, she oh, she was like, you know, we're really close, you know. And I was like, eee, we're close, which means I have to activate, you know. <laughs> time to push <laughs> the, the button. Time to push yeah. the button. And so there's this button there and I, I knew I was polishing this button and I was like walking around this button, looking at this button, and I was like, oh, I have to start the Instagram. I have to start this Kickstarter to try and raise the funds. And everything was kind of ready. I had the video. I had made the video early in the year. Um, so it was all ready to go. But I just didn't have, I don't know, I didn't have the confidence or there was a block there where I was really struggling to just activate and push the button. Um, and so I ended up having a hypnotherapy session. <laughs> ah, amazing. Yeah, like so two weeks before the what would become the launch date, the blue moon, uh, the 23rd of August, I had a hypnotherapy session with this awesome woman, Rachel, uh, via Zoom. And she was like, okay, well, let's just go into this and see what where you need to go with it, you know. And I was like, cool. And so I tapped into like three past lives, you know. Um, yeah. And what the past life showed me was, in one past life, I was this Eskimo and I was like stuck in the snow and um, I couldn't move. I was literally frozen, like kind of like how I felt about pushing the button. And there was a moment in time where I knew I was like freezing to death um, and I could have fought on um, and then there was also a moment where I knew I could let go. And in that lifetime, I decided to let go. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't want to suffer anymore and so I let go and I and I didn't want to just forge on and kind of tap into that action uh, kind of more forced side and then I tapped into another past life which I think you would enjoy this one um, where I was where I was like an I was like a Native American like kind of woman during primitive times and my job in that community was I was a uh, I would draw cave paintings or do cave paintings. So I was drawing all these images of and doing depictions of life that people had because people love to see that and so for future generations to see what um, we had done in that lifetime. But I die knowing in that lifetime that I didn't have the words. Like I literally did not have words because words had not been invented to be written down as yet um, in written form. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And so pretty much what then came out of that I learned was in this lifetime I've been given these gifts of words and pictures and it is my job to combine the two together. Um to to depict to have simple to create these simple depictions of love because that's what life is here on earth and that's why we're here to learn about lessons of love and to feel love. Yeah. And have love, embody love, and and all that. Yeah, and so, 
that was really powerful. And then she moved me forward and she goes, okay, you're in the future now. You, you've, you've, you've pushed the button, you know, the book's out there, woohoo kind of thing. What are you seeing? And instead of going into the future, I actually just was in an ethereal space. And what I saw was um, Guan Yin, the Chinese Mary, on one side who has been there since Kawa passed, kind of holding me in that maternal kind of nurturing space. And then on the other side, for the first time I saw was like a Chinese warrior, like a Sifu. And I was like, whoa, who's that? You know? Um, and it was like, he was my Yang dude. So I realized in those moments that I had been tapped into the yin side, which is the creative, you know, the creative internal side. And that what I was struggling with was activating the yang side, which is the action, having courage, you know, to move on and, you know, and just go forth without without too much feeling, but with love, you know, because um, all the feelings have been done. I was like, oh, I've been really feely, man, you know. It's time to be less feely and just get shit done, you know. Yeah. So you've had these incredible, it sounds like incredible insights to push you into an action zone um, coming from this beautiful, nurturing, creative zone. So you, so you go into action zone and you're like, was this the decision where you're like, I'm going to I'm gonna raise money for it or I'm going to go to a publisher or how did that kind of come about? Well, you know, I spoke to a few mates, um, Louisa Brimble, uh, she self-published and Tess Skinner, she self-published and they're kind of, they were like the pioneers of the indie publishing of these women that I know, you know. And so I was able to have these conversations with them and they said, if you want it to be exactly as it is, got to self-publish. <laughs> yes. And I was like, oh, well, I don't want to, no, I don't, I, I can't change this, you know. I was like, I can't bend to anyone's no. rules. It has to be exactly as it is. Yeah. And so I didn't really have a choice. Yes. Yeah. I didn't really have a choice. <laughs> yeah. So um, and putting that out there, was yeah. that? Were you like, oh my, like, oh my god, it felt like birthing. You know, you know what that feels like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, oh. it was like it'd been in the womb, and then like activating was like the yeah, and then when I pushed the button, it was like it was like game on. I just had to, but you know what? I came out of that hypnotherapy session, and I felt great. And the next day, I just started doing shit. Yeah, right. Without yeah. much thought, it was so awesome and so clear. You know, and I was like, oh, this is what it feels like to be one of these people. You just do stuff, you know. <laughs> it's almost like, yeah, if you don't, if you, it, it's such a good lesson, isn't it, in overthinking? Because honestly, if I overthought half the shit I've started before, I would never have done it. <laughs> well, you obviously don't have a problem with pushing the button, you know, and the action side. <laughs> There's a certain naivety that comes with what I do, I reckon, and I, <laughs> I'm learning to see that as a as a it's a it's a yin and yang kind of trait. It is. You're. I feel like your your Chinese warrior is strong, dude. Grasshopper, <laughs> <laughs> um, it is strong. <laughs> There's sometimes I've uh, yeah I've had some doubts, but anyway, it oh is. Oh my god, um, you, yeah, you're like kung fu panda. <laughs> I've never been called that. I kind of I like that. I'm going to take that on. <laughs> um, speaking of love, I want to talk about uh, Rafa and Bo because yeah, Bo. Last time we spoke about Bo, I think you were pregnant. Oh, you just found out you were pregnant. Oh yes, I yes, a few days pregnant. I think my period. Yes. was great. and I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm pregnant, dude. Yes. Yeah. So you you've got this beautiful. Oh my god, he's just you've obviously got Rafa, who's absolutely divine as well, and then Bo. Just seeing those little photos of him. What what has this like? Now you're the mom of three beautiful angels. So what like how is this next parenting like? How's parenting Bo been different for you? And oh, it's been so much fun. Like having a after having two girls, the experience yeah. of having a little dude has just been hilarious. You know, <laughs> <laughs> just hilarious. This it like. I don't know. I feel like he's the third child. He's the little, he's probably, you know, the youngest of all the cousins and because I don't think there's going to be any more as well. And so yeah. I guess this place is, there's so much lightness with him. There's so much joy, lightness, and he just cracks everyone up. Like his place here is to be the joker. And I even see it change with my parents, you know, um, like, 
they just adore him and he gets them to do things that they've never that they never usually do you know yeah yeah like pushes them pushes them out of their comfort zone or yeah well they're just so much more affectionate with him than I've ever seen in my life because my parents are from Hong Kong from Chinese descent and they just didn't hug us when we were kids you know yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah like they just didn't really touch us after you know um there were no hugs it wasn't affectionate but with him they're all over him you know and, yeah and they tell him that they you know they, they I actually hear them say you know affectionate things and my mom's just like constantly in hysterics you know <laughs> yeah that is so beautiful like that it's little so cute. it's so yeah. cute yeah and does that mean they've become more like what were they like with Rafa? Like, are they more affectionate with her now, yeah, or are they? I think because Rafa wasn't as uh, receiving of them at first, because yeah. we'd just moved back from Sydney and she didn't really know them as well, you know. Yeah. And yeah. the way Chinese people show love is through uh, food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, what, and once you're old enough to accept that, <laughs> yeah. then you realize you're oh they. They do love me. Like, Gong Gong's making me roast duck pancakes. Like, yeah. he doesn't care for anyone, you know? Yes. Yes. That's okay. <laughs> how, they, how have they, like, did they sort of soften once Once Kawa passed? Were they, how did they support you or did you find their support helpful? You know what? You- they, they don't support in an emotional way at yeah. all, at all. It is 100% they support in the real basic survival ways of support, um, which is food. Um, so they would make us food yeah, and they would help us take care of um, Rafa. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like just give us space to be in our grief. Well, wow. Yeah, or to do, you know, or to get work done and stuff like that. So that's, and you know what, while I was growing up, I really struggled with that because I didn't get it. Um, yeah. But now I'm come, you know, I've come to terms with it, you know. And what seemed mean or like the fact that they seemed uninterested. So, for example, this is a good place to talk about this. <laughs> my parents have no idea if I've written this book. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so that's the extreme of it. I said to Des the other day, I was like, is that weird that my parents know and don't know anything about what I'm doing with my work life. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, dude, it's still kind of weird. <laughs> what do you think? parents are so supportive. <laughs> what, do you, what do you reckon they will say? Like, will you just deliver the book when it's printed? <laughs> the thing is I'll give it to them and they will just go, meh. <laughs> no joke. I was on the cover of the, of a magazine with Kawa when she was two and I was pregnant. I, it was like a homewares mag. And my mom just went, why are they taking pictures of your house? It's so old. <laughs> oh, like, my God. Really? And I'm like, and now again, I, every time I'm like, wow, this really keeps me humble, you know? Yeah. Yes. Humble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, so beautiful. You can see the, like, <laughs> you kind of, I get it. Like, you know, our parents did things different to us too. Mine weren't as extreme as that. But there were there were points of growing up where you're like, what? Why didn't I just get that? Or why didn't you do that? You know? Yeah, why didn't they? Yeah. 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 So my parents really don't care. My mom still asks me occasionally when I'm going to get, like, a job or oh, yeah. work <laughs> and stuff, you know? <laughs> I think my mom's always so worried when I ring that something, like my business is going down or something. <laughs> How's work? She says it in this terse kind of, please don't share anything bad with me. And I'm like, no, that's great. Does she say that? Does she use the word terse? I love that. <laughs> no, she just, she just, I can just see her. I feel, I feel for her too. Cause also my dad passed a few years ago. Aww. So it's just her. She, she burdens that, uh, you know, that kind of mother. Oh, that she might have to look after you and your whole brood. <laughs> she won't. She knows I'm also very, uh, flexible and can come up with other ideas. So I think she <laughs> on to that. Um, I don't know. I realized with my parents, you know, like a lot of people have beef with their parents, but, now I realize I am who I am because of that, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I'm really thankful for that. Yeah. It's so true. I mean, if they had raised us differently, then we wouldn't be as resilient in certain ways. Yeah. You wouldn't and be my able- parents, 100%, right? Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't have, I was like, if I really enjoyed growing up with them, I wouldn't have left home so I could have more of a worldly perspective, you know? Yeah. <laughs> 
Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I was that like, is oh so I was like, all those kids who are really loved by their parents, they never leave home. <laughs> and that is a problem, especially at 40. That is an issue. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in your time writing this book, um, your journey so far, I suppose my last question is, what advice about grief and love and just loss and learning from all this stuff do you have to give to people? Uh, I feel like um, we all have to go through this. Um, like I did an ayahuasca ceremony, you know, I think after I saw you, you know, and what I learned from that, pretty much what spirit told me was, we all must suffer and die. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, heavy, heavy. We all must suffer and die. <laughs> oh, my God, did you say, yeah, wow. I was okay. like, whoa. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how people are going to receive this, but okay, let's, <laughs> how, are we, how can we take this and, Make it into a palpable thing, yeah, you know. Yeah, totally. Um, and yeah, and I guess that's what love is. You know, the book is. Um, it's about yeah, accepting that this is what we're here for. Like we, I mean, we're here to have a good time, but we're also here to really learn lessons, and you have to embrace those lessons. Um, and you have to embrace the suffering, the darkness, the lightness, all of it. All of it is what is shaping us into being who we are, you know, and for our souls to evolve and for us as humans to kind of just like kind of move on together. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, I, I really feel like you just got to tap into it. Yeah. Don't run away from anything really. Um, unless they're scary people. No, even then. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I feel like you, like, yeah, we, that's pretty much it. We all must suffer and die. Um, but on the flip side of that, you have love and we have faith and that's really awesome, you know. Um, and then when you do tap into your grief and suffering, the love and the joy that you experience is so much more immense, you know. You're so grateful and thankful for, like, any tiny moment that you have. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so good. I Yeah, I just thank you so much for chatting to me. Oh, thank you, dude. <laughs> this just is not because of you, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so shocked you said that actually, but uh, um, that's that's lovely. Yeah, I, you were the one who asked me all those, like, probing questions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, you know, they used to call me Dr. Phil back in the day when I, I had, a few, drinks, yeah. had a few drinks. Here she comes. <laughs> I love it, though. I really, yeah, yeah I, I love the nosiness. I feel like. Yeah. This is definite nosiness. Yeah. yeah, and you just get stuff out of people, you know. It's really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. what we need. I think that's a compliment. I think that's <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. I will, um, yeah, I can't wait to see the book come out in the world. I can't wait to support it more. It's uh, It's such a beautiful, everyone who hasn't, hasn't contributed to the kickstarter and if the kickstarter is over by the time we get this podcast out there there's going to be opportunities to support it i'm sure um buying it beyond the kickstarter would you say would there be opportunities do you yeah, think yeah i mean if I, I have copies left over i'll pop it on a website that people can yeah i guess yeah. that's the thing with these things you never know how it's gonna go right yeah i have to release it into the world <laughs> these things like it's not really a matter of if it's going to work it's just these days it's how to how to just get it out to enough people because if enough people knew this story there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that they would buy the book do you know what i mean so to yeah. me it's never, never yeah. that it's not going to be good enough or it doesn't suit the current time it's just like how do you get around the, the shitty algorithms to get it out to enough people so they know about it you know yeah, well, that's it and because you know you read books with your kids and I just wanted something that that children could um tap into because when Rafa started school she would talk about Kawa a lot and one day I got pulled over by the teacher and she was like oh just wanted to ask you about Kawa and you know she was really like hesitant to have that conversation you know and right. I was like oh here it comes you know and, you know, Rafa's talking about Kawa. No one knows that she's got this sister who's actually, like, not in human form and that, you know, that she's yeah. passed away um, and she's talking about her as if she's here. 
um, which I then realized I was like, oh, that, you know, that's not really done as well, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just to have opened that conversation for kids to talk about, because they're really inquisitive, you know, um, about life after, uh, just where do we go? You know, where do we yeah. go? Where do we come from? Yeah. And so yeah. forth. Yeah. yeah. And this book will help that because it'll can go. Yeah, because it kind of opens up the question. Like there's like, oh, where are these angels? Where? And how is it that, why do I have that feeling in my heart sometimes, mama? You know, like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, thank you, Lady D. It's always a pleasure to speak to you. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll set this podcast free and hopefully oh. I can't wait to hear more about the book. Um, thank you so much. No, thank you. <laughs> if you liked this conversation, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you really liked it, be a legend and leave us a good review. Lunch Lady is a magazine where parenting is not taken too seriously, but a balanced approach to family life is. It's a beautifully printed kitchen keepsake full of recipes, inspiring family stories, DIY craft and funny, relatable opinion pieces about the ups and downs of raising kids. For more info on Lunch Lady magazine, head to shop.hellolunchlady.com.au.